0: And once again, welcome to another episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Glad to be here on this special Memorial Day edition, episode 386 on this May the 30th, 2022. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill and Go Jump and Slide Inflatables. With it being Memorial Day, it is a perfect time to go out and rent an inflatable from Go Jump and Slide. But we have got a great show for you. I'm doing the show a little bit later in the afternoon as I'm trying to get all the sports updates I can I do plan on having Columbus Chattahoot's manager, Steve Smith, on the show tomorrow. And then on Thursday, I'm going to have Columbus Rapids defender, Brittany Conway, on the show. So, that leaves some days wide open for guests. So, I'm going to try to stay flexible. This show is not going to have a guest. It's going to be all my hot sports takes. This is really where my bread and butter is. Talking to sports fans, they just want me just to give an opinion about sports and I do have an opinion and I am passionate about what I believe when it comes to sports. Many people that know me know that I'm a huge San Francisco Bay Area fan because I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and so I am very excited for this upcoming NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics and it will be the first time that a team from Boston is facing off against a team from the San Francisco Bay Area and in the last 20 years, no two major markets have won more titles. As a fan, I've always wanted to see a Red Sox Giants World Series, and I've always wanted to see a 49ers Patriots Super Bowl. Well, I didn't get any one of those, but Warrior Celtics is pretty good. And I think that it is going to be a great NBA Finals. That will start this Thursday night at the Chase Center in San Francisco. Congratulations to the LaGrange College Panthers for punching their ticket to the D3 College World Series. It will be the first time in school history. And they will play this Friday night in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So good luck to the LaGrange Panthers. Columbus State season comes to an end. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about my most favorite underrated day in sports, and that is the NCAA Baseball Selection Show. All the regionals are set. We've got some local teams here in the state of Georgia that have punched their ticket, and some of them are even hosting regionals, including Georgia Southern. But we are going to get into all of it. I'm going to recap the Columbus Lions, taking on the Albany Empire, the debut of Michael Harris II, and I'm going to talk about Rex Castillo, the sports director from WRBL, making his Columbus Chattahoots debut. That was so awesome this past weekend. All right, let's get into the local sports because the LaGrange Panthers, what can you say about them? They have overcome adversity. They've had a great season all year long. They were taking on a very tough Chapman University team that was ranked 17th. LaGrange was coming into this three-game series. It was being held at Cleveland Field in Williamson Stadium in front of a large crowd, over 600 fans. They're able to get the Game 3 winner-take-all game Saturday night, 4-2, and they punched their ticket to the D3 College World Series, which will be played in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, against Trinity out of Texas, the 15th-ranked team in the country, and that will be at 8.45 p.m. this Friday. What can you say about the LaGrange College Panthers? They have faced heartbreak after just hours of clinching the USA South tournament, the two baseball players who were killed in the car crash, and what a class act from Chapman University as both teams huddled the mound with the jerseys draped over the pitcher's mound. Both were freshman pitchers. And that was just a great sight to see. It's very important to honor the lives of Jacob Brown and Steven Bartolotta. They were, I could understand if this team did not want to play any more games. If they canceled their entire season because of the tragedy. And I really think this team came together in the regionals. They had to win. They were hosting the regionals. They go on to the Super Regionals, and now they're in the College World Series for the first time in school history. The Columbus State Cougars ranked ninth in the NCAA Division II. They lost to North Greenville 13-3 in a deciding Game 3 up in Tigerville, South Carolina. Taking on the number one team in all of the land, North Greenville. But they made it exciting. They were able to beat North Greenville in dramatic fashion, down 3-1, to one, and coming up to bat was Isaac Boughton, Scott Miller, the voice of the Columbus State Cougars, and WCUG Cougar Radio with the call. Come on, Isaac, find a hole somewhere. Oh, by the way, Isaac Boughton represents a potential winning run. Wouldn't that be something? Fly ball, left center field. That ball is gone. That's gone. Cougars win. The Cougars win. It's a three-run home run for Isaac Boughton. North Greenville 4 to 3 and the Cougars are still alive. Wow! What an amazing game and what an amazing call to force a game 3. However, they fell short to North Greenville and they finish an incredible regular season with a 46 and 12 record. Congratulations to the Columbus State Cougars on a very well and successful season. Now some of the Cougars are going to be playing over at the Woodbat Collegiate Summer League as the Columbus Chattahoots get ready for their home opener this Saturday, June the 4th, as they will take on the Chocolacca Monsters. The regular season will kick off Friday in Oxford, Alabama, as they will take on the Monsters. And they did host the Chocolata Monsters for a three-game exhibition. I'm going to have Columbus Chattahoots manager Steve Smith on the show tomorrow as we preview the upcoming season in the Sunbelt League. But one of the coolest moments from the weekend was in that second game, WRBL's sports director, Rex Castillo, got a couple at-bats. Just the fact that he was with the team, putting on a Columbus Chattahoochee jersey, and signing autographs, he got to live the dream. Manager Steve Smith allowed him to get up there and bat a couple of times and he actually got contact hit a foul ball and the place just erupted watched it on the broadcast as Zach DeBozart does a great job with the Chattahoochee broadcast and Rex got on base twice and scored a run so I know that was great for him he's living a lifelong dream and congratulations to him I know that WRBL does a great job covering local professional teams here in Columbus and uh, Rex does a great job. So speaking of professional teams in Columbus, the Columbus lions, they dropped a heartbreaker to the Albany empire 39 to 31. This was a rematch of the NAL championship game from last season. Albany came in here with a lot of confidence riding a three game winning streak. However, They were playing on a short week because they played Jacksonville Sunday night. And with that being said, it was a back-and-forth game. Danny Southwick got injured and could not finish the first half. In comes Jarmon Fortson at quarterback to end the first half. In a surprising move, injured quarterback Darren Daniel comes into the second half and throws for two touchdowns. It was a great defensive effort by the Columbus Lions to hold Albany to just 39 points. And Darius Prince only had one catch for a touchdown. But it was the touchdown that put them on top, 39-31. to 31. There was just a lot of kicking problems from both kickers. There was an injured kicker from Albany. And it was just one of those games where Columbus feels that they could have won. They really gave it their all and just a great effort by Darren Daniel in that entire staff. And now they are 2-2 two and two on the season, and they get ready to travel down to Orlando to take on the Orlando Predators, who are 2-3. and three. Still a lot of parity in the National Arena League. Carolina lost to Jacksonville. Albany is just a half game behind Carolina, and they are 4-1. and one. And the San Antonio Gunslingers have yet to win a game in the NAL. Major League Baseball. Well, the Atlanta Braves took two out of three against the Miami Marlins, but what was impressive was the debut of local Henry County standout from Stockbridge, Georgia, Michael Harris II. He had an incredible catch that was Andrew Jones-like, and he had a great debut playing for his hometown Atlanta Braves. Hopefully he stays up he did get a hit in his major league debut and his debut reminds me of a young brave 12 years ago that made his debut jason hayward i was a big jason hayward fan when he came up he was nicknamed the jay hay kid he made the all-star team in 2010 he was a gold glover but he just never really lived up to the hype and what do i mean by that well if you look at Jason Hayward's Stats, he is a lifetime 258 batter. His best season was in an Atlanta Braves uniform. 2012, he hit 27 home runs and 82 runs batted in. He has won a gold glove five times, but he didn't really have the power or the batting average. I thought that he was going to be one of these five tool players. I mean, he's got a big frame. At 6'5", he is a baseball player coming out of Henry County and playing for the Atlanta Braves. I was a huge fan of Jason Hayward. He played from the Braves from 2010 to 2014. Him and Freddie Freeman, I actually thought, were going to be the two cornerstone pieces for the Braves for decades to come. But the Braves did the unthinkable when they traded him to the St. Louis Cardinals for Shelby Miller, the pitcher, and some minor leaguers. I wasn't a fan of the trade. I know that he got the big contract. He had dealt with injuries before, and he really faced some injuries as of late. And recently, in 2019, he did hit 21 home runs, but since then, he hasn't really done anything. He's now 32 years old. His stats are 158 career home runs, a 258 batting average, and 635 runs batted in. I don't know, just... It's just my opinion. I just don't think that Jason Hayward lived up to the hype. And a lot of players who become five tool players in the minor leagues, they just don't pan out in the big leagues. But he was larger than life, especially in spring training. He was hitting towering home runs for the Braves in spring training. All right, let's talk about my favorite part of this week. It's going to be exciting because we have NCAA regionals that are starting this Friday. We got some pretty good matchups. I'm going to go through all of the brackets. It's going to be like bracketology. I remember in 2008, you had Fresno State win the College World Series. They were a number four seed in their regional. They won their regional as a number four seed, which would be the equivalent of a 14 seed or a 15 seed in college basketball that, would win the entire NCAA tournament, which we almost had that with St. Peter's. So Tennessee is the overall number one seed, 53 and seven record. First of all, if you really want to get into college baseball, Bryce Kuhn is awesome. And he is on after me. He is the voice of Georgia tech baseball. I know that he's got a lot more information about college baseball than I do. Georgia Tech just happens to be in the Knoxville bracket with Tennessee. They are the number two seed. Tennessee is the overall number one seed. They will take on Alabama State. This is a double elimination bracket. Campbell is the number three seed. They'll take on Georgia Tech. Georgia Southern, they are in the Statesboro bracket. They are taking on North Carolina Greensboro. You also have Texas Tech and Notre Dame, also in the Statesboro bracket. Moving on to the Austin bracket, where Texas is taking on Air Force. You have DBU taking on Louisiana Tech in the Greenville, North Carolina bracket. You got East Carolina, Coppin State, Coastal Carolina, and Virginia in the College Station bracket. You got Texas A&M, Oral Roberts, Louisiana, and TCU. In the Louisville bracket, you have Louisville, Southeast Missouri, Michigan, and Oregon. In the Gainesville bracket, you got Florida, Central Michigan, Liberty, and Oklahoma. In the Blacksburg bracket, you got Virginia Tech, Wright State, Columbia, and Gonzaga. Oh, well, the Gonzaga Bulldogs actually playing baseball—that's pretty cool. The number two overall seed in college baseball is the Stanford Cardinal. I remember back in the 90s when they used to be a dominant baseball team. They, they're taking on Beamington, UC Santa Barbara, and Texas State. That seemed like an easy bracket, but with a double elimination to get to the College World Series, you've got to win your bracket, and then you got to win your Super Regional the way the bracket is shaped up, Maryland would be in the other regional that would be considered the super regional. Uh, LIU, UConn, and Wake Forest are also in their bracket. You got North Carolina, Hofstra, VCU, and the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia Bulldogs are going to be in the Chapel Hill bracket. They're the number two seed. And of course, they had that historic run led by shortstop Gordon Beckham to make it to the 2008 College World Series where they lost to Fresno. But they beat teams like Stanford and Miami. So 2008 was really the only year where I really paid attention to the College World Series. Just just to let you know. Oklahoma State, the Stillwater Bracket, Missouri State, Grand Canyon, and Arkansas. I know at one time Arkansas I thought was going to get to host a regional. Then you have Miami, Canisius, Ole Miss, and Arizona. Southern Miss, Army, Kennesaw State and LSU. Kennesaw State, they win the Atlantic Sun. They are the number three seed in the Hattiesburg bracket, and they will take on LSU to kick things off in the region. Auburn, they host a regional for the first time in 12 years. They're taking on southeastern Louisiana. Florida State, seems like Florida State and Auburn are always in the bracket together. I read that off Twitter. Uh, Thank you, Michael Buchanan, for uh, sharing that. On your Twitter page, and uh, UCLA also in the bracket. UCLA has had a history of winning the College World Series. They are just a great program. Oregon State, they have seems to they've seemed to been. This is like if you have a bracket, this is the group of death. Not really, but Oregon State is taking on Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is a powerhouse in college baseball. Oregon State won a couple of College World Series in the early 2010s. New Mexico State in here with a 24-32 record. They just got lucky and they won their conference. That was a very tough task to do. And then San Diego also in this bracket. So the College World Series will start June the 17th in Omaha. But don't forget that the Super Regionals are also June the 10th through the 13th They are in two weeks, you'll have the super regionals. So, good luck to all the teams. Just a history of teams that won the College World Series. And, like I said, I've seen a team like Coastal Carolina win the College World Series. It can be done. Last year, Mississippi State wins the College World Series. Before that, Vanderbilt in 2019, Oregon State in 2018. Florida, the Florida Gators won it in 2017. But here are the teams with the most college World Series championships. USC, they have got 12, but they haven't won one since 1998. LSU, they last won one in 2009. They have six. They are tied with Texas, who also has six. Arizona State. And rightfully so, because Arizona State used to have Barry Bonds. They won five College World Series titles, but they have not won one since 1981. But Barry Bonds was actually in the College World Series with the Sun Devils in 1984. You would think Cal State Fullerton, a team that seems to be a mid-major in every other sport, but they are a dominant powerhouse in college baseball. They have won four, along with the Arizona Wildcats. And the Miami Hurricanes. Of course, Alex Rodriguez has donated a lot of money to the Miami Hurricanes. And he didn't go there. Okay, you got Minnesota with three. Oregon State has got three. But they are all in this century. Vanderbilt with two. They won it in 2014 and 2019. South Carolina, remember when they went back-to-back? In 2010 and 2011. You got Oklahoma, Michigan, and Cal all with two. Everybody else, I'm going to go through just the list of all the college World Series teams. 2016, Coastal Carolina wins it. Had an incredible record, a 55-18 and record. Virginia wins it in 15. Vanderbilt wins it in 2014. Remember, Vanderbilt was the runner-up in 2015. They were also the runner-up in 2021. So if you look at what Vanderbilt has done in the last eight years, they have reached the College World Series championship game four times. Of course, UCLA won it in 13. Arizona won it in 12. LSU, South Carolina won it twice. LSU, Fresno State. That was that incredible run that Fresno State had. They had a 47 and 31 record and they came in as a number four seed. You had Oregon State winning it twice. Texas, Cal State, Fullerton. Rice won it in 2003. Texas, Miami, LSU, Cal State, Fullerton won it in 2005. Pepperdine, led by legendary coach Andy Lopez. Pepperdine wins the College World Series in 1992. Wichita State won it in 1989. So the College World Series is one of my most underrated sporting events. I love the College World Series, and I will break it down on this show. I mean it. I'll be breaking that down. I will be breaking that down. I'm going to be breaking down the NBA Finals. Of course, I am a Golden State Warriors fan. I got to say that I'm going to make a prediction based off of Game 7 and Boston had a 17-point lead over the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat storm all the way back. And Jimmy Butler, should have just drove the lane, man. Jimmy Butler misses a three-pointer that would have given the Miami Heat the lead I don't think that would have been a buzzer beater. I think the Boston could have had a little bit more time on the clock. But the Celtics do win against the Miami Heat, 196. 96 And this is the test of time. They beat three really good teams. They swept the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets had superstars, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They beat the Milwaukee Bucks in seven when they were down three to two. And now they beat the Miami Heat in seven as well. The Warriors are a slight favorite, but you have a matchup between the top two defenses in the league, and I think it's going to be strength on strength. I think the Golden State Warriors win in seven because they have that championship pedigree and they're playing at home, but Boston is going to be a very scrappy team. They're going to give the Warriors fits. It's not going to be easy. It is not going to be easy for the Warriors. They're not going to be able to shoot the lights out. I do feel that they're going to run the floor and they're going to capitalize on Celtics turnovers. If the Boston Celtics want to win the title, they have got to cut down on the turnovers. This is an intriguing matchup just for the simple fact that you got the Boston market going up against the San Francisco Bay Area market. And if you look at the last 20 years, really the last 10 years for the Bay Area, These two markets have the most championships. Let's go ahead and talk about those championships. Boston, the New England Patriots, they have six Super Bowls. You have the Boston Red Sox with four World Series titles. You have the Boston Celtics that won an NBA title in 2008 You have the Boston Bruins that won the Stanley Cup in 2011. Now for the San Francisco Bay Area, you have the San Francisco Giants that won three World Series titles in 2010, 2012, and 2014. You have the Golden State Warriors that won three NBA titles from 2015, 2017, and 2018. Now I know that Boston has been to a lot more championships. The Patriots have gone to a couple more Super Bowls. The Red Sox have yet to lose a World Series. That's something to think about. The Red Sox have won three World Series titles. We all remember the one in 4 I remember I was deployed for that one. I was also deployed for the one in 7 when they swept the Colorado Rockies. Jonathan Papelbon with the ultimate save and the Boston Red Sox win two. Then the Red Sox win a World Series in 2013. That was a battle of... The Red Sox and the Cardinals, they finally won a World Series at Fenway Park. That was a big deal. Then they won it in 2018. Some salty Dodgers fans are thinking that because they had Alex Cora on that team, as he was a bench coach for the Houston Astros, they feel that the Boston Red Sox were cheating just as much as the Astros did in 17. I beg to differ. But the Boston Red Sox did have three World Series titles. The Boston Celtics... Now let's talk about the Boston Celtics because they have 17 championships. They have a history. And Ami said it best. He said that they're not hanging up Eastern Conference banners up in the garden. They are hanging up championships. They won one in 2008. If the Boston Celtics are to win this championship, it will be the most special championship because their superstars are all under the age of 25. They are a very young team. And maybe there could be a dynasty just like they had with the Boston Celtics of the early 80s with Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, and Robert Parrish. If you're a Los Angeles Lakers fan, I'm wondering what's going through your mind. You got your hated rival, the Boston Celtics, taking on your geographical rival, the Golden State Warriors. Who are you going to root for? This is a very tough NBA Finals if you are a Lakers fan. Now, I know the Lakers, they just hired Darvin Ham as their head coach. Remember, he was on coach Mike Budenholzer's staff with the Atlanta Hawks in 2015, that team that won 60 games. Think of all these assistant coaches for the Atlanta Hawks under Mike Budenholzer. Darvin Ham, Quinn Snyder, Taylor Jenkins. And yet, the Hawks' head coaches were Lloyd Pierce and Nate McMillan. That's a head-scratcher. Speaking of former Hawks, I am very happy for Al Horford. I'm happy that he's finally playing in an NBA Finals. I've always liked Al Horford's game. He was the cornerstone for the Atlanta Hawks for an entire decade. He's a very smart player. He is Tim Duncan-like. He can shoot the jumper. He can rebound. He plays defense. He plays tough. And while he has been in Boston for his second time, he has found the fountain of youth. So Al Horford is a great player. I'm happy for him. I uh, just don't want to see him get a ring because I'm a Warriors fan and I'd like to see the Golden State Warriors win yet another title. How great would that be if the Golden State Warriors won an NBA championship without Kevin Durant? Yes, that is a storyline that the Celtics are playing the Warriors, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's former teams. Remember when they left? KD left Golden State. Kevin Durant left Boston to go to Brooklyn, where they said, let's form something special. Well, joke's on them. Tonight we have the two greatest words in sports Game seven. The New York Rangers taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. The winner will take on the two time Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Tomorrow, we got the Edmonton Oilers taking on the Colorado Avalanche in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals for the NHL. Well, Atlanta United had a tough week at the Benz this past weekend. They dropped the match 2-1 to one to the Columbus Crew. A quick goal by Jonathan Minsa and the Columbus Crew. That's all she wrote. Dom Dwyer did get a goal to cut into the lead, but the entire match... Columbus had a 2-mil lead, even though Atlanta had majority of the possession. But yet still, Atlanta United is drawing the most fans in Major League Soccer, as they had 42,000 fans in attendance. Atlanta United is struggling right now. They are currently in 10th place. And they are hurting without their goalkeeper, Brad Guzan, And they're hurting without... Joseph Martinez and Miles Robinson. It's not looking good for Atlanta United. And I'm a big Atlanta United fan. I've always thought that Atlanta United, after winning the MLS Cup, I thought Atlanta United would would be back and competing for the MLS Cup just about every year. All right. WNBA. The Atlanta Dream get a big victory over the Phoenix Mercury. The Atlanta Dream are five and three on the season. Ryan Howard with 12 points and it looks like Diana Taurasi is aging and aging fast as she only scored two points. She is 39 years old. I don't know if anybody knows that. Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird are like the two oldest players in the league. I mean, they've been playing as long as the league has been in existence. The league came in 1997. Sue Bird played in 2002. Diana Taurasi followed her in 2003. They were catalysts on those great UConn teams in the early 2000s. We just had a very busy weekend of sports. We had the NAIA World Series, which I was glad that I covered. I'm going to go ahead and get into that. We had the Columbus Chattahoots taking on the Chocolata Monsters in an exhibition game. I actually was very fortunate to attend three sporting events on Saturday. I went to the Columbus Chattahoots just for a couple of innings. It was an exhibition game against the Chocolata Monsters. I missed the bat for Rex Castillo, but I was able to watch that on the YouTube broadcast. Then I, I called the Columbus Lions game with Jared Dillard. Hopefully we'll get a podcast going this week and we'll talk about the Lions. I do have the coach's show, Roar Time, I do with head coach Jason Gibson. And then right after that game, I went over to the softball complex where my alma mater, Freed Harbin University, was playing in the elimination bracket for the NAIA College World Series. After losing to Indiana Wesleyan on Friday, they went into the loser's bracket where they were able to beat Weber International 3-0. And then later that night they defeated Grandview four to two. However, they lost to Science and Arts six to nothing, and their season comes to an end. I was just very fortunate that I was actually at their games. And what a great story. This is the farthest they've ever gone in the NAIA World Series. And then there were four. As I've been covering this entire event that's being held in Columbus, Georgia, and I can't wait for this event to be held in Columbus next year. The Columbus Sports Council has done an amazing job with this NAIA World Series. And then there were four teams left. The number one and the number two seeds have both advanced to the winner's bracket where they are playing currently, right now, I don't have a score, but Mobile is taking on Oklahoma City. And the winner of that game will play a game Wednesday night. So they're going to get a day off. And that is going to be huge because a lot of these teams, especially the teams in the loser's bracket, are playing two games in a day. I know that everybody had a day off yesterday, but it's just been really taxing just to play all these games. You have a big upset as Southeastern still alive in this tournament. They're a seventh seed. They defeated Indiana Wesley in 4-2 to earlier today. And they will take on Science and Arts tomorrow at 4 p.m. Now the winner of that game will have to turn around and play another game back-to-back, and they will take on the loser of Mobile and Oklahoma City. So that's what happens when you get into the double elimination bracket. You might have a team that might be playing two games on Tuesday and two games on Wednesday. But Science and Arts, they look just amazing. They did beat Oregon Tech 3-0. They were the number 4 seed. They did lose to Mobile 3 to nothing and right now Mobile is the best team overall in this NAIA World Series. I said a comment to one of the fans out there, if a local team from Georgia was in this NAIA World Series, that place would be packed. Like if Point University makes it to the NAIA World Series, all your fans from Point University would be down in Columbus. Of course, you also have Thomas University, you have Truett McConnell, you have some other, Faulkner. Faulkner's only an hour and a half away. I think that the people of Montgomery would make the trip to Columbus if Faulkner made it to the NAIA World Series. But the problem with this is, I talked to the sports information director for Fried Hardman. School ended a couple of weeks ago. There's no students on campus. So when you get later into these World Series games, your students aren't going to travel to go to these games. I remember when I was a student at Freed-Hardman University that the students were your rowdiest fans. They were your loudest fans. They are your most passionate fans. And without that student section, that's a huge disadvantage. I believe Indiana Wesleyan won that first game against Freed-Hardman 3-1 to one, because of that inning. Their fans made the difference in that inning. I'm excited that I was able to cover the NAI World Series, and mention it on my podcast. I want to thank the NAIA staff for giving me credentials and allowing me to cover this event. Uh, who knows? Maybe next year I might be broadcasting the event for the NAIA Network. Oh, we've had a great show. I am so glad that I was able to do this show. Stay tuned for tomorrow as I will have Steve Smith, the manager of the Columbus Chattahoots, on the show It was just a great time interviewing him, and I'm just excited about this upcoming 2022 baseball season in the Sunbelt League. As baseball is back in the Fountain City, that is all the time I have on the show. I do want to thank all my listeners that have downloaded my podcast, liked, and subscribed to my Facebook channel and Twitter page. Don't forget, I'll have Coach Smith on tomorrow. And then on Wednesday's show, it will be back to doing a regular show, breaking down all the sports scores. Then I'll have Brittany Conway on the show on Thursday. So hope everybody has a great rest of your day. And I will talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.